The scripture reading is from 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 2 through 5. We give thanks to God always for all of you, constantly mentioning you in our prayers, remembering before our God and Father your work of faith and labor of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers loved by God, that he has chosen you because our gospel came to you not only in word, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. It has been my custom to start the year on a series preaching through the fundamentals of what we believe, what we stand for here as a church. And so we're in a series called The New Hope Vision, and it's really about the centrality of the gospel, what it is that we stand on the gospel. Uh, This week I have a message called The Fruit of the Gospel, and I really would like to talk to you about this question of faith and works. Um, When you come to church, church often talks about be this way, don't be this way, if you're this way, God will bless you. If you're this way, you'll, have, you'll, 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 do, you'll do well and you'll have power and strength. And to a number of you, when you come to church, you read those passages and you, you get kind of like stirred up and with fear, doesn't it? Doesn't it prick your conscience? Oh, I'm not that way. Well, I'm not that way enough. And um, today, and then you wrestle with this question of faith and works. Faith and works. And this passage talks about the work of faith which is, a, I think, a strange way for sometimes we don't know how to think this way. The work of faith is like, isn't there's faith and there's works, but then how can there be this thing called the work of faith? And that's what I want to talk about today, which is really, there's a, a work that flows out of faith, which is really its fruit. Okay? Um, I'm going to do this three parts. Part one, I'm going to talk about uh, the, just confusions about faith and work. Faith and works. Part two this sounds kind of fancy. I'm going to call it the problem of attribution and our blindness. Okay? The problem of attribution and our blindness. And part three, the hope that we have in a new humanity through Jesus. Okay? There's a new humanity through Jesus. Um, all right, part one. Faith and works. Okay, l- let me just start off this way. Um, a person... This is the gospel, that one day you're going to stand before God. It's called the day of judgment. He's going to take a look at your whole life. I mean, really everything. The way you feel, your motivations, everything that you've done and nobody else saw, you thought is in secret. You're going to stand before him. And there's the law and his standards. You should have been this way. You should, you should not have been this way. Your love, you should be loving and unselfish and generous and merciful and kind. All these things. Not filled with anger and lust and greed and jealousies and lie and all these mixed motivations, which is really all little ways that it's about you. And you're going to stand before God. And when you realize you're standing there and then with all those standards before you, on that day, you should be like, I'm in trouble. I'm in big time trouble. Because if that's the standard, I'm not going to make it. 
And if you've grown up in the church or been part of the church, and hopefully you've been in a good Bible-believing church, you've heard this, and then you've heard, here's the gospel. Here's the good part. The good part is, on, the way, on all your works, all things that you do, you're not going to make it. But God sent somebody, a really important somebody. It's his very own son. God sent somebody, and he was kind when we weren't kind. He was pure when we were lustful. He was generous when we were greedy. He was obedient when we were rebellious. And his righteousness and all his works, if you believe in him, this is the gospel, if you believe in him, God will credit all his righteousness and his works upon you. And when he sees you, he will see all of Christ's works and righteousness. And instead of sending you to the bad place, he will say, welcome. You belong. That's the gospel. And it is very clear and strong that if you're going to believe and be saved, it is by faith, not by works. Faith, right? Faith, not by works. And maybe a number of you, I don't, you know, whenever, I don't know, whenever some of you, and not, I don't, by the way, assume all of you believe this. Some of you maybe believed this when you were young. Some of you believed this was, you know, when you were older as an adult. Maybe some of you more recently. You came to believe this and you said, wow, this is exciting. And if you've ever been around the church long enough, you see people when they first come to faith and they, it's like, wow, this is a crazy thing. I have been, I, I was a drunk or I was filled with, it was all about money for me. Or I, you know, like, you know, I was so hooked on the porn thing and, there's all these different things. You know that inside there's all kinds of impurity. And it's this crazy wild thing to know that Jesus, as we sang, he paid it all. And his righteousness covers us. And thus we're safe and we're free. So then you know that as a Christian, you're not going to just show up and just, well, just do nothing. Well, I just, okay. So then, so then as, when people first become a Christian, what do they do? They, they say, I'm going to go to church. I don't know anything, so I got, I got to learn. I got to learn. So then they, they want to get into the Bible. So then, they, and then the, usually Sunday service isn't even enough. They, they, they want to go to the Bible studies, and they do all this stuff. So they want to grow. They start hanging out with other Christians. We, the church says, hey, we, want, we need people to serve, and they're the ones that uh, volunteer. They want to go make a difference because they want to chase and find out about all this glorious stuff that has been offered to them through Christ, right? But then something funny happens. After that, that, that rush, that, that initial rush of faith and, 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 and it feels so good, then you chase and then after a while then, then it seems to like get a little old, a little tired. And you seem to kind of hit a ceiling. You're like, I'm not, I don't feel like I'm growing. I'm, this is just it. And so then you come to church. And then the pastor, well, at least at this church, Tells you it's the gospel. You're like, okay, 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 I believe that. I believe that. I have faith in that. And then you're like, okay, I have faith in that, but I'm still like not changing, so then, then what? So, okay, okay, go, okay, more works. Let's get back to the works. So you get back on that treadmill, and you get feeling like you're stuck. Can any of you relate to what I'm talking about? 
And if you can relate to what I'm talking about, so then what is this? It's, so, so a lot of people, this is really interesting, among Christians who know the doctrine, salvation is by faith, not by works. But then, if you're supposed to get anywhere in, in, the, in, the, in the spiritual walk, you have to do all the stuff. <laughs> you do the stuff. This passage says there is a work of faith, and then there is a labor of love. I mean, labor. And we, we, because you get fixated on the, on the, on the working, the work stuff. You know, um, there's a, there's a very strange thing that goes on in our culture. I think our culture is very immature and even childish when it comes to these types of, uh, these types of uh, tensions. And there is a tension. There's a tension in the Bible between work and faith. And Attention is like this. Uh, attention doesn't mean, and whenever there's attention, usually we like to try to collapse attention one way or the other. So think of it, you're riding a bike. As you're riding a bike, uh, there's a tension between the pull of the gravity toward this side, and then there's a tension toward the pull of the gravity toward this side, right? You're riding this bike, and uh, if you don't really know how to ride a bike, what happens? You get on the bike, and then, then the, the the, the tension of the gravity go and you crash to your left. Okay, that didn't work. So you get on the bike and you don't, you know, you, that didn't work. So then you get on the bike and then what happens? Then you crash the other side, right? But actually, if you really have balance, if you actually have the right balance, you don't even feel the tension. <laughs> you, you ride. <laughs> you're being, you know you're being pulled this way versus being pulled that way. But you're just running, just, you're the, 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 the bike is just smoothly flowing this way. And it's really fun. It's really enjoyable, isn't it? And actually, when it comes to faith and works, I feel like it's not like there's a faith side and a work side. It's not like that. It's not like there's a gravity on the faith side or a gravity on the work side. But people think of it that way. You think of it that way. You're like, okay, I have the faith, so I just have faith. Faith means believe it, believe it. Muster up your willpower to believe this thing, all right? So you just, it's believing. I'm like, well, but, but I already believe it. <laughs> and then there's the, the work side. Well, okay, I go do, 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 do. Um, you know, there, this, there's, this, there's, a, uh, there's this balance to the way what you believe fills out into a labor. You know, our culture is very allergic to that word. Is that a pleasant word to you? Labor. Wake up in the morning, labor. I'm just looking forward to labor. And yet, the text is there. It celebrates a labor of love. I mean, those are not words that we like to usually go together in our culture. Um, In our culture, when you hear love, love is supposed to be easy. You're supposed to just feel it. And it's just like, oh, I'm feeling it. Love, right? Um, you know, we have this, we really have this kind of backward thing going on in our culture. When it comes to romantic love, people think that you're just supposed to feel it. And it's like, hey, baby, I love you, I love you. And I just want to give all my life to you. And there's songs after, I mean, there's always, always a song in the top ten like this. I mean, and it's been like this for generations. It's, it's ridic- That's how much we want to believe this. That song goes like this, and we want to believe in this song. But actually, um, after you become a parent, there's a different kind of love. You know what parenting is? It's labor. Labor, labor, 
labor, labor. Well, to your spouse, you're supposed to just be like, I'm, I'm feeling it. Hey, I'm not feeling it. How come, and maybe I don't belong with you. Maybe this was a, this was a mistake. <laughs> but to your child, it's just, you're just doing, you're just giving, giving, giving. It's labor, labor, <laughs> labor all the time. Um, um, you guys, many of you guys know that, uh, you know, our, 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 our brother John Har and I have been friends for a long time. Actually, we've been friends since ninth grade. Um, we met in German class. I sat in front of him in German class. I think we were the, were the, only, were we the only two Asians in that class. We're, we're learning German. We're like the two Asian dudes learning German, okay? And I happened to sit, uh, you know, the teacher made me sit in front of him. And back then, um, he wasn't even a believer back then, right? But, um, you know, we, we've been friends a long time. Then he got saved, you know, a couple years later. And um, he got married a little bit before I did. And then, and then he had a, he had a, uh, well, he had a surprise baby. <laughs> he got a little, he was like, whoa, that happened a little faster than I expected. And, um, and, and then my wife and I got married, and so we were newlyweds, and then he, you know, he had a little baby. He's still basically a newlywed, but he had a baby, okay? He was a newlywed with a baby. And you guys know that baby, that baby's Jamie. <laughs> she's, she's not so little anymore. And there was uh, one afternoon, um, Grace and I, we, we, we had, you know, John and Gina hang over. Hang, I don't know if you remember this, even this, remember this. It was up in um, that little apartment that my parents have over their garage. Do you remember that? No, they went, anyway, they, they came over and they were hanging out and John was playing with his baby daughter, right? And, um, and she was so cute. <laughs> it's ridiculous, okay? And, um, and she was really happy and responsive. And, uh, and I sat there thinking, like, I can't believe this dope that sat, couldn't even turn his papers in on time in high school <laughs> is a dad. <laughs> I mean, we're like, we're both, I mean, you know, I was about 26, 27. We're, we're relatively young to be fathers. And I was like, I can't believe he takes care of this little human being. <laughs> and, um, and so I asked John a question. I asked him this question. I said, hey, John. What percentage of the time is it like this? I mean, it was, it was this beautiful, I mean, it was, I can tell he was so happy and I was happy. I'm like, wow, it's so great. And I asked him, what percentage of the time is it like this? And I was thinking he'd say 20 or maybe 30. And if he said 30, I would have said, okay, it's worth it. If it's 30% of the time like this, all the, 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 the other 70 ah, percent of the time will be worth it. You know what he said? He said 60. He said it's like the 60% of the time. Do you remember saying that? He said 60, and I was like, 60? Whoa, that's incredible. If the other 40% really sucks, it'll, it'll still be worth it. Now, I don't think, I'm not sure if he'll still say it's 60. Now, his daughter's a little older now. She's a little more rebellious. She, that, 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 num that number has probably come down. <laughs> That's what I guess. <laughs> My guess is the number is probably like 60. You know, she gets a little older. Ryan comes along. The number is dropping down to 40, <laughs> 30. <laughs> He's got three kids now. The number is getting kind of low. Okay. Let me tell you something. Um, for those of you who, who aren't moms and dads, the number could be low. It could be down to 20 or 30%. The rest of the time, you know what it is? It's labor. <laughs> okay, maybe that's not, it's, it's a lot of work. If you don't wipe that stuff off from that baby's butt, 
And if the baby doesn't get a good night's sleep, if the baby gets a good night's sleep, you probably did not get a good night's sleep. That's a, like the, kind of the way it works. You don't get a good night's sleep, she's happy, okay? So you're laboring, and then you don't get that moment where the baby's, like, wonderful. <laughs> and it's labor. But you don't think of it as, as, um, as something wrong. Look, when you get jammed up in, in your spiritual life, and you get stuck this, between this, like, but salvation is by faith. If it's by faith, then that means I can just show up at church and just do nothing, right? Just believe it. But wait a second. But this passage is, is there's all this labor of love, and I, man, I'm not doing much labor. There's a work of faith. Where's my, I guess I'm not doing much work. And then the pastor's always trying to get us to try stuff. You know why you get kind of jammed up here? Because for you, faith, faith means believing in an idea. It's like an idea in your mind. There's a doctrine. Jesus Christ has died for you on the cross. You're saved by faith. So that's a doctrine. It's, that's absolutely the right doctrine. Okay, I will die for that doctrine. But if all you got is faith in an idea, in a doctrine, then yeah, you're, you're actually not believing in the gospel. And then you're, you go, okay, I got the idea in my head. I believe that. And then you come over here, and then you, oh, well, wait a second. I'm not really changing. So then what do you do? You go do the works. You go do the works, and then after you try the works, you're not really changing very much. And then you know what you're... You know what you're doing, probably? Very likely, I've, not, I've watched it, I've been a pastor a long time, seen, you know what you're doing? You're putting your trust in the works. You're believing in the works. Over here, you're believing in the idea, the doctrine. Over here, you're believing in the works, your works. Neither of them is believing in Christ. <laughs> Neither of them is truly trusting in Christ through the gospel. Is that a little mysterious what I just said? Let me try to put it through this way. Um, there's a big difference between believing a truth that my wife loves me and is going to care for me. That's the truth. Isn't that the truth? Okay, now, most of you don't think of that as a doctrine, but apparently I believe in that doctrine. <laughs> okay? I believe in that doctrine. You know how I know I believe in that doctrine? Because I don't think about the idea. It's not a truth. I don't have to go, oh, hey, 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 hey. Your wife, Grace, is a really kind and loving wife. She is actually going to do your laundry. <laughs> She's not going to yell at you because you made the socks dirty. <laughs> She's going to actually do your laundry. She's not going to be resentful. She loves you. <laughs> and you know what? I just trust her. I just trust that the laundry will be done for me. Sometimes she's not always happy about it, quite frankly. <laughs> but you know what? That's the difference between trusting in the idea that your wife loves you and trusting in grace. I just trust her. You understand the difference? Trusting in the person is a big difference. There's a huge difference. There are some of you, when your marriage goes sour, you know what you have to do? You have to plug that doctrine back in your head. Oh, yeah, my wife actually loves me because you're not believing it. That's what the, when the marriage is in trouble. When the marriage starts to go south, is because actually you have a doctrine in your head, but in your whole body. Because faith is a whole, 
It's a whole person activity. It's your mind and your heart and your life. Your marriage is starting to go south because your whole person is not trusting in your wife. <laughs> That's what, and this thing, this, this tension between faith, it is all by faith. But if you really trust in Jesus through the gospel, you know what happens? You just, something starts to flow out of you. The work of faith, a labor of love. Because the gospel when I present it to you the way I present it to you, is I'm actually trying to help you to understand a profound problem. The profound problem is that you are under condemnation under the law. You all know it. But if, as long as you only see yourself as you to the law, you're not believing the gospel. So you must see yourself you to the law, and then actually the law starts to almost disappear. And you trust in Christ. Let me go to part two of my message. Um, the problem of attribution. Okay, that's a, this, is, this is, come on, you guys have a nerdy pastor. I just have to say things in a certain kind of precise way, okay? Attribution is this. You attribute something to somebody, and what you attribute that to is either true or false. You know? what, is, what is actually going on? At, at, you attribute. Hmm? Um, you know, some of you may go, Jennifer Anderson is gorgeous because, you know, she really works at it. <laughs> That's your attribution. You know, she just got the best hairstylist, and she works out, and maybe she has a really good plastic surgeon, and that's why she's still hot, even though she's in her 40s. So your attribution is to all her work, right? I would, and maybe, and I think that's maybe about 20% true. I'll tell you the real now, let me give you an attribution about why Jennifer Aniston is still a star. Because she has really good genes. <laughs> she has really good genes. She was gifted to be beautiful and gorgeous. And she didn't wreck it. Okay? So, mostly why she is beautiful and gorgeous is because, well, God just gave it to her. <laughs> she, she didn't earn it. She just, just handed it to her. That's the proper attribution. It's weird how we like want to idolize all these people that have all these attributes that they didn't really ever earn. It just they just didn't wreck it. Because you can wreck it. You can be given a gift and wreck it. They just didn't wreck it. Let me take you to, to a little bit of a bigger problem. The church asks you to do various things. Love one another. Be a servant. Come and make a difference. Please contribute. Contribute with your time. Contribute with your money. Contribute with your gifts. These are all the things I've asked you to do. That's so why we have a whole series on stewardship. We had a whole series on church. These are all the things that, that um, we teach. And then you, you, you guys all know this from the Bible. But if you don't believe in Jesus, if you don't believe in God, you probably think, okay, if people, if you just get a bunch of people together and they act loving and they serve, and they contribute with money, and they, they try to be generous, then that will produce this beautiful community. Paul is so happy, because it's, it's this wonderful community is happening here, where there's loving going on, there's hope and trust happening. And this is interesting, there's a lots of non-Christians that actually think that if you just do this stuff, then we'll have this kind of beautiful community. Um, and actually, some of you who are Christians... When I say this, so every now and then, I as a pastor or some of our leaders will say this. Hey, 
God is doing something really in the midst of us. God is turning us and changing us. And um, because we'll have a little event and people will come out and serve and say, hey, God is making a difference here. Some of you are Christians, and you'll hear me say this, and you'll, you'll hear, you know, this is the language, but in, your, in, the, in your back of your mind, you have this little thought. This thought is this. But really, it's just us. We're just doing this stuff. If we just do this stuff, if we do more and more of this stuff, then, then you know, we're good people. Then we'll be good people, and as we're good people, then we'll, be, we'll have a nice community. That's, religion is just sort of like, you know, we just need a framework that's just trying to encourage more of this stuff. But really, the main thing is if we just do the stuff, if we just do the loving and the serving, and if we do all these works, then we'll have that beautiful community, right? Some of you actually think this. You don't say it out loud, <laughs> because if you say it out loud, then I as a pastor will say, well, what the heck are you doing? Why are you saying that? <laughs> and some of your other brothers and sisters will look at you weird going, that's not how we talk here. Why, why are you saying that? <laughs> why are you just saying it's just us doing these good things to each other? Let me tell you something. If you think that our church is getting kind and better because we're just doing the stuff, doing the works of the labor, then you know what you're doing? You're attributing the goodness of our community to us. You're doing an attribution to us and our works. And let me tell you something, you're wrong. You are deluded. Um, there are actually people, I told you guys about this a couple weeks ago, there are actually people out there, this very, very unbelieving secular wisdom, which is really secular foolishness. There's a bunch of people out there who don't believe in God, certainly don't believe in the Bible, and Jesus is just whatever. But they're jealous of the love and of the hope and the way people sacrifice for each other and lay their lives down for each other in the community. They're jealous for that communal life. So they have churches, and, and I told you, this is really weird. There are churches out there where they get together and they do all the works, the things that we do. They have readings. They sing songs. The, the, the part that cracked me up was they said that in, they get together and sing the song. They don't believe in God. There's no God. It's just, it's sort of like the spirit of love of man. <laughs> and they say that they sing some songs and they even raise their hands, which like cracks me up. I'm thinking like, who are you raising your hands to? <laughs> okay, we're raising our hands to God. I, like I actually, one of these days, guys, you know, I'm going to take a Sunday off and I'm going to go find one of these churches, one of these churches. And I'm, I'm going to go, I, I just got to see this for myself and I'll tell you about it after I come back, okay? But that's what they're trying to do. What they're trying to do is if we do all the works, then we'll have this beautiful little community. Wrong attribution. Because deep down, you know why even Christians still think that? Because deep down we're under this blindness, this delusion, that if we do the works, then all the beauty and the wonder will come out. Not true. You know what's happening? You may do certain works of labor of love, but if you don't do it in faith, in trusting in Jesus, not trusting in just an idea of Jesus, trusting in Jesus, then you're just doing man-centered works. You're doing Phariseeism. But if you're doing it in Christ, trusting in Jesus, not in the doctrine or the works, you know what's happening? 
the Holy Spirit is actually at work. So you know when I see stuff happening in the church? I see somebody get sad and go to glad. When I see somebody in the church go out of their way to pick someone else up and they're doing this out of love for their brothers and sisters from Christ, you know what I see? The Holy Spirit. That's what's really happening. That's the real truth. That's the reality. If you think it's man, you're blind. I'm telling you, you're just deluded. <laughs> you're really not seeing the real thing. You're one of these people who think, hey, Jennifer Addison, give me the secret. Show me your secrets and I can be gorgeous like you. <laughs> Come on. God gave that to her. <laughs> and you can't be gorgeous like her, if, even if you have the same exercise routine as her and diet. So just forget that stuff, right? But in the church, if you know that it's from God. See, here's the passage. For we know, brothers, loved by God. Here's how he says, we know, I know this. I know, brothers, that you are loved by God and that he's chosen you. Why? Because our gospel came to you not only in word, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit with full conviction. You know how I know when the Holy Spirit is alive? Because you're going to receive the gospel. And then this conviction will start to grow inside of you. And then power. There's going to be a power from the Holy Spirit that's going to get you to pick you up. And some of you are thinking like, well, how do we know when there's power of the Holy Spirit? If I start going, and, and do the tongues? You're like, if I get hit with tongues, then the Holy Spirit, right? No. Let me tell you, right here, when a labor of love starts to come out of your heart and a steadfastness of hope in Jesus starts to come at you, the power of the Holy Spirit is arising in our midst. When that happens, I know God has chosen you. He's chosen us and loves us. So that's, that's the problem. We're always attributing it to the wrong thing. When it's God. Let me close my message. I'm going to talk about something I'm calling the new humanity. There's a new human nature. You know that? It's a lot better than the old one. The human nature you used to all the time, it's really weird. <laughs> you know, our culture has this theory that human nature arose like this. A bunch of molecules got together, and then there was a weird accident. And then there was life. It was called a virus. And then the virus, a weird accident. Then it became a bacteria. And a weird accident. And then it somehow became, you know, a fish. And then somewhere along the line, there was a human being. And there's a human, this creature has a human nature, just like a monkey has a monkey nature, a dog has a dog nature. Okay? A dog has a dog nature. A cat has a cat nature. Human beings have a human nature. So then we think we have the human nature. And it's really weird. Everybody, including the atheist, expects that you're supposed to be kind, generous, loving, merciful, forgiving. That's what human beings are supposed to be. But if you actually empirically look at all throughout history, human nature is selfish, greedy, angry, full of BS, telling you that I'm good and kind with the, with the, with the, with the, with the uh, agenda to get money out of you, giving you uh, compliments about your hair, ladies, to get into your pants. 
That's the human nature. That's the, the male human nature. But actually, there's a, another human nature breaking in. Let me tell you a story. Um, last summer, uh, your brother Jen, Jen and I, we, we went to Bishop's, you know, our, our Paiute Native American uh, mission. And then afterwards, we went to a conference. The conference was called Celebrate Recovery. And that was in Southern California at this mega church called Saddleback. So we go to this conference. The whole point of this conference, this is the point of the conference, is to rally people who are Christians to do a tremendous piece of labor. I mean, it's getting, it's like we're going to, into a system, into a game plan to help people get over what they call hurts, habits, and hang-ups. What kind of hurts and habits? Um, Deep anger and depression, where people hate themselves, so they cut themselves. That's a hang-up that Celebrate Recovery is interested in. What other hang-ups? I'm a falling-down drunk. I wake up in the morning, the first thing I want is a beer. Or I'm just angry. I'm just angry, angry, angry. My dad left me when I was a kid, and uh, I've always felt worthless since. And so I'm just angry. (laughs) These are some of the things that Celebrate Recovery is interested in. And all the people who come to this conference, you know what they're all there to do? They're all there to learn. They're all there to drink a big gallon of the gospel. (laughs) It's a three-day conference. You're drinking the gospel for three days, and in between the sessions while you're drinking the gospel, you know what you're doing? Learning how to labor. Learning how to labor. These people work hard. They're going back to, they're going to go back to the church and implement the ministry, which requires a whole heck of a lot of work. (laughs) A labor of love. And when you're there, you know what you meet? A lot of happy people. It's really incredible. I mean, it is incredible. If any of you guys are cynical about the gospel and Christianity, or you're like one of these Christians, this stuff doesn't work. I keep coming to church, and and pastor keeps telling me, just believe in the gospel, but it's not working. You should go to Celebrate Recovery. I mean, this isn't like, this is the pastor giving you a plug. We're going to go to Celebrate Recovery later this year. But let me tell you what, what, what happened there. I'm just giving you, I mean, it's, it was like three beautiful days. I'll give you totally one story. Um, Jen and I, we were, you know, we were, we, 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 you have to go, grab some dinner before the next session. There's like, there's like, it's like session, session, break, session. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's packed. It's a packed schedule, right? And we, we were, you know, we were grabbing some dinner, and thousands of people from around the country come to this conference. So, you know, there's the, all the tables and stuff are, are, are busy and filled. And so Jen and I grabbed some, like, I think it was like some, uh, some spaghetti dinner. And then we're wandering around trying to find a place to sit. And then there was a table full of a, of a, of a bunch of people. And by the way, this is hilarious. They, they often dress 
the same. They, they order T-shirts. <laughs> the teams from these churches order T-shirts in the same color. They have, they have the name of the shir- uh, the, their church on the front. On the back, they say, celebrate recovery, or they say, I love Jesus. I mean, it's like, it's weird. And they all show up with like super bright, happy face. It's almost dorky, quite frankly, right? But you don't care. And so you go to this table, and there's, there's, like a, there's about a dozen people. They're all wearing, I think they're wearing black T-shirts. They have the name of their church, and it said, celebrate recovery on the back. And, we, and they, had, they had a little bit of space at the end of the table. And so we say, hey, can we sit down here? And they said, oh, of course. They were all white. There were these folks from St. Louis. Sat down. Sat next to this guy named Clayton Early. Remember that guy's name? I remember, actually remember his name. And because he didn't have a business card, he goes, so we start talking. Clayton, hey, hey, Clayton, we're... He goes, hey, how long has your church been doing Celebrate Recovery? We're like, uh, we haven't. We're just here to check it out. He's like, oh, that's awesome. <laughs> his, his face lit up. He gets started getting all excited. And he goes, yeah, I, I came here like a year ago. I was where you're at. <laughs> Actually, uh, he goes, we've been, I go, how long have you, have you, has your church been doing it? We've been doing it for about two years, not very long. I go, how did it start at your church? Well, the senior pastor made the assistant pastor come to the conference. (laughs) The assistant pastor didn't even want to come to the conference, didn't want to start this thing. He knew it would be a lot of work, so he didn't want to do it. But he made him do it. (laughs) So then the assistant pastor came, came, and the thing just lit him up. Then he came back. The two pastors, like, charged this thing forward, and then, like, like I said, so I was one of the early volunteers. I didn't even really want to do it. (laughs) That's what he said. He goes, I didn't even really want to do it. So we started it. And then, and then crazy stuff started to happen. <laughs> so then the following year, I came to the conference. And I got really excited. And so now, so, so, so now you have, you have this team. They're all wearing the T-shirts, the dorky T-shirts. He goes, now, because we, we are, goes, this is all we talk about. We love talking about this. He goes, I can't wait to get off work. And so, we do celebrate recovery like on Wednesday night, and then all the addicts come in, and then after it takes about two hours, and then after it's over, then we debrief it, and then we start talking, and then we stay up till so it's, it starts out at seven thirty, it ends at nine thirty, and then we we're still around at midnight, still talking about it because we're so like pumped up and excited, and then we get together on Thursday to plan some more, and so he was basically saying, he goes, hey, you need to get your pastor involved, and we're like, well, I'm the pastor. He goes, oh, even better. <laughs> And then you know what he did? He pulls out a piece of paper. He goes, I don't have a business card. He pulls out a piece of paper. He writes his name down, Clayton Early. Writes down the name of his church. He writes down his phone number and his email address. And then he wrote this, call any time. I just met this dude. Call any time. Hand it to me. He said, I'm serious. You can call me any time. If you have any questions, anything discouraging you, anything that's hard, call me. I'll help you any way I can from St. Louis. I rem- uh, there's this little piece of paper. I kept that little piece. It's like, like in my drawer at home somewhere. And I was, I was marveling at this piece of paper going, dude, this is a crazy thing. <laughs> Clayton, early? You're crazy. Did that ever happen to you? Let me tell you something. 
That wasn't weird at Celebrate Recovery. It wasn't weird at all. I thought, oh, Clayton, he's weird. Next day, I met someone else like that. They don't all have the same personality, the same bubbly energy. They're all there to labor. They have found that Jesus is that compelling. See, look, Jesus is God. He looked at the human nature as we know it to be, even though all the atheists know it's shh, but they know he, the way he intended it to be. It's really weird. All the atheists know the way human nature is supposed to be. How do they know that? Isn't that really weird? According to all the scientific empirical evidence, human beings are jerks, and they can't change. But somehow, even the atheist knows in his mind, we're supposed to be this more glorious kind of person. Let me say the gospel a little differently to you. You were born always self-seeking to be a selfish rat. It's completely normal. Everything about you is self-seeking and self-serving, including your intellect and everything. Jesus came to earth because he loved you and would not leave you in this condition. He forgave you for being this way. And all that ratty, self-centering human nature died on the cross, was crucified with him on the cross, so that he can give you his human nature, the one that he made divine, and put his spirit into you. And before you met Jesus, all you had was just you, just you and your emptiness. Anytime anything was kind of interesting happened, the money or the, or the, or the sex or the bling bling, it's like, okay, you've you got to fill yourself with this thing and you start worshiping this and, it's, and it starts to crash you out. But when you met Jesus, he starts putting his spirit into you and his new human nature, his humanity, starts coming into you through his spirit. So don't you dare attribute the beautiful things that happen in our church to you and me, to our human nature. At the best, attribute it to Jesus and his human nature breaking into us by the Holy Spirit. That's the truth. I believe that we'll have Clayton Earlies in this church. I have a steadfastness of hope that it's going to happen. I have a steadfastness of hope in Jesus. And I labor from love into you, into your lives, into our church, unto this ends. And when that glorious new human nature starts to emerge, it's exciting. <laughs> I get jazzed up. And I invite you to all join me in this labor. A number of you already have. Some of you are still on the sidelines. You're like, ah. Stop trusting in the idea of Jesus. Start trusting in Jesus. Stop trusting in your works. Start trusting in Jesus, whose spirit is in you. Believe in that. When you start seeing this start to emerge, the new humanity, when you start seeing some odd person in our church start to behave like Clayton Early, you should say, 
Jesus. All glory to you. That's from you. Let's pray. So often, Lord Jesus, you are a far away historical figure. Lord Jesus, you are a distant God sitting in heaven while we are just trying to muck it up here and falling down with our own works and our own works of energy and our works own works righteousness. Today, I just want to pray for all my brothers and sisters who feel a little stuck, maybe a lot stuck. I've been there. Been there, know what it's like. We have a very deep blindness in us, Lord, and only your spirit can break us. We want to see through our eyes, and we want to trust in our own works, and we want to trust in what we can do, and not just turn and lean on you. It seems just so weirdly easy, and yet we must mightily fight all this blindness and pharisaical works righteousness, which always constantly rises in us, we pray that that would die. May we believe the good news that it is nailed up on the cross with Jesus. And I pray that that what you are doing in the Morning Star Church in Clayton Early, you would begin to do a new hope. Just as Paul says, he's so thankful for this church in Thessalonica for a work of faith and a labor of love and a steadfastness hope in Jesus that's happening in that church. That's how he knows that God loves them. That's how he knows that God has chosen them. May we believe this word. You've chosen us. Your power is in the midst of us. May we celebrate you and lean on you. Turn us into a joyful and wonderful church. We pray that you would just Start breaking, breaking down our stubbornness and our blindness this year and uh, drive us to a new kind of community, a heavenly, beautiful community with new humanity. In Jesus' name.